people have this like stereotype about Canada being really friendly mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. being like our polite neighbor, but I don't know how how true that is. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Wow. I think it, it's just like I think it's like. <laughs> I mean, it, there were people who were friendly, of yeah. course. Um, I think it's just, I mean, there, there were a few times where I was called um, the CH word. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. But, uh, That's but awful. it wasn't anything that I was like that surprised about. But I think all the baggage that the U.S. has, I think Canada has too. Yeah. Um, I don't know why people haven't gotten there yet with Canada. Like haven't under- <laughs> understood that Canada is just like... Maybe Canada has better PR. I, think. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really, I really think that's a that's a huge part of it. Hello, hello! Welcome to Young, Gifted, and Abroad: Perspectives on Studying Abroad from Past and Present Students of Color. My name is Danielle. And I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today I have my friend Sho as the guest. Uh, before I tell you a bit about Sho, I do have a few things to mention. First of all, Happy New Year! I know this is not uh, the happiest of times for uh, many people right now, but I'm here, you're here, and I'm glad that you're here. So, Happy New Year! <laughs> I didn't mean for that to rhyme, uh, but yes, happy, happy new year. Uh, second thing I wanted to mention is that I recently, and by recently I mean last week, put out a trailer for Young Gifted and Abroad. I know a lot of podcasts have trailers, and I never saw the need or had any interest in making one until very recently. So. I went ahead and made one, and if you're interested in hearing me explain what the show is about, although I have a feeling if you're listening to this episode, you probably already know, but if you want to hear me explain what Young Gifted and Abroad is about, and also hear some clips from previous episodes that I included in that trailer, uh, feel free to check it out in this podcast feed. Or on social media at Young Gifted and Abroad on Instagram and Facebook at YG Abroad on Twitter, or of course it's up on YoungGiftedAndAbroad.com. Speaking of YoungGiftedAndAbroad.com, I mention this at the end of every regular episode, but in case you're not aware, I do a write-up for every episode of this show which includes information about that particular guest and also includes a resource list. So if you are listening to an episode and and interested in more information, uh, links, just general resources on how exactly that particular guest was able to do the things that they did, uh, then make sure you you check out those resource lists. Uh, A place to go on the website is a page called episodes slash blog. Select the blog post of the episode that is of interest to you and all information will be there. So if you're looking for resources, now you know where to look. (laughs) And the last thing I wanted to mention before I tell you about my friend's show is that this episode coincidentally is being released on January 12th 
which is also the 56th anniversary of the passing of Lorraine Hansberry. Uh, Lorraine Hansberry was a groundbreaking black American playwright, and she was also the inspiration for me deciding to name this podcast Young, Gifted, and Abroad. So, very important person who, again, passed away 56 years ago, so I just wanted to mention her and say continued uh, rest in peace, rest in power to Lorraine Hansberry. All right, so today's guest, show is a good friend of mine. I actually met show through Irene from episode four, another friend of mine. <laughs> I was going to a Leanne Le Havis concert some years ago, and Irene knew that, and she was like, oh, you know, my friend show is going to that concert too. You should link up. So that's what I did. I went to the concert and met Show there. I also met Nana there, Nana from episode 41, uh, who's also friends with Show. <laughs> she was at that concert there with them. And so uh, ever since then, Show and I have gradually, again, become good friends. And I'm really excited to kick off 2021 with Show as the first guest of the year. They are one of the most thoughtful and sincere people I know and they've also sent at least one guest my way Um, I'm thinking of Alec from episode 57 Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there were others and I'm just forgetting at the moment Uh, but yeah shows good people and you'll hear in the episode why I'm just now getting to talk to them as a guest uh, about their experiences Uh, but While Show was an undergrad, they did an internship in Toronto, Canada, focused on drug policy, because Show's educational background was focused on neuroscience and social policy, and some other really interesting things thrown in there, like Portuguese and global public health. Just fascinating, right? So they spent a summer in Canada doing that internship, and then worked in the States for a few years and then they decided to move to Tokyo. Show is actually Japanese American so moving to Tokyo has been a chance for them to learn more about their culture and their identity and also their family history but also pursue some creative and professional interests and of course learn more about Japan's history and Japanese society as a whole while they're there. Show's been living in Tokyo for a little over a year and you'll get to hear in addition to their experience in Canada and their reasons for moving to Japan also get to hear about how their life in Tokyo is going so far. So without further ado, (laughs) sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with my friend Show Nakashima. But no, this is good. This is good. I like it. I like it. Ooh. So, um, as I was saying, thank you again for agreeing to be a guest. 
I think also, as I said, <laughs> I know I know you already, but for the people who don't know you, um, can we start with you introducing yourself a bit? Yeah, okay. sure. Um, <laughs> sorry, I know this is like take two, but it's okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I should even mention that. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> but um, yeah. So my name is Sho Nakashima. I went to Michigan State University um, with you and and others guests on this um, podcast. I studied uh, neuroscience and social policy and also minored in global public health and Portuguese. Mm. And let me think, in terms of hobbies, I really like uh, hiking, illustrating, reading. Although I haven't really read a book in like a couple of months, I don't know. <laughs> okay. it, it's, it's been, yeah, it's been a, it's been a weird few months. I don't know. I, I haven't really been doing a lot in general. But That's fine. I'm sure a lot of people yeah. are in the same boat, so it's fine. <laughs> right. And then I guess today I, I'll probably be talking mostly about my experience abroad in Canada and Toronto. Uh, it was an internship experience with the field experience that uh, we had to do for James Madison College. Mm. And that was in the summer of 2016. So, okay, all right, yeah. I um, as I was listening to you, I I forgot either. I didn't know. I forgot that you studied Portuguese. So that's cool. Yeah, Um, and I I never really got to use it, but yeah. So okay, you said neuroscience and social policy, right? Mm -hmm. What made you want to study that? So I guess with neuroscience, that's kind of where I started in college. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew a lot of people who were like interested in the health field and biotechnology field. I think personally uh, with neuroscience, there were a lot of people in my family who've experienced mental health um, things. And like for myself too, I I had a lot of uh, things with mental health and Mm -hmm. trying to, or I wanted to understand that better and I wanted to study that um so that maybe i could potentially do something in that field but i guess somewhere at the point i felt science wasn't enough for me and Mm. i decided to also study social policy and see if um i guess understanding like policy impacts in research and or science or public health Mm -hmm. so yeah i was it was kind of a weird combination but uh i decided to study both and (laughs) and you know, right now I'm not doing any, uh, work that's related to either, but um, <laughs> but I guess that's how, that's how it goes. Yeah, that's for a lot of people. That's how it goes. Right, um, right. That's really interesting, though. I remember when I, when you first told me, however long ago it was, what you studied. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, that's that's really impressive. <laughs> Over my head, at know. least this neuroscience part, I never would have thought of studying something like that. Um, I think also partially I was probably overcompensating too by trying to, you know, get two degrees and study. I don't know. I should have just switched and, and picked one. But, um, hmm. but yeah. And then where did the Portuguese come in? Why did you want to study Portuguese? With Portuguese, I knew a few people from high school and middle school who were uh, Japanese-Brazilian. Oh, and okay. I think yeah. based on that, like, I, I knew, like, little tidbits, like, the largest population, or, like, I guess, like, Japanese diaspora living outside of Japan um, was in Brazil. Mm-hmm. And I guess I wanted to learn another language. So at the time, yeah, I thought Portuguese seemed interesting. I think it's also the language is spoken on the most 
number of continents. Um, I guess because of colonialism, <laughs> like and and uh, Macau and uh, like Timor Leste, yeah, Angola, yeah. Mozambique, yeah. I think it's like it's seventh or eighth most spoken uh, language in the world. So hmm. yeah, so I decided to speak it. I was actually supposed to study abroad in Brazil. Um, I think it was winter of twenty fifteen to twenty sixteen, but that that study abroad program got canceled after I got in. So. Okay. I wasn't able to. Yeah. Hey, do you know why it got canceled? Do you have any um, idea? They actually they didn't give me like a detailed response about it, but mm. it has something to do with the hospital. It was like a like a tropical medicine related one, so mm. more related to like my neuroscience interests. But I, yeah, it it was just like so, something about the hospital that they were collaborating with um, couldn't do the program that year. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was logistically or if something was happening, but yeah. Okay, so Brazil didn't happen, and then you went to Canada. Yes. Okay. Yes. So why Canada? What were you, what were you going there to do? Well, one of the things was MSU had like a specific program with it. With them, specifically, James Madison College had a field experience program in mm-hmm. Toronto. So I think the two options for like internship well i think there are like multiple options but the two that had come across to me at the time were i think toronto and singapore Mm. i think for both programs like you needed to basically like find find funding for yourself and like i guess with like a lot of programs and for most of the internships they would be like unpaid and i think because of that like with toronto like i could drive there which would you know make the travel costs a lot easier Mm -hmm. Uh, also, the experience of living in a big city is something that I never had before. So I thought that would be interesting um, living in Toronto. And I think also being able to be somewhat close to home because, you know, Michigan and Toronto aren't too far from each other. I think from the metro Detroit area to Toronto, I think it's like a four hour, 30 minute drive or something like that. Mm. But yeah, so I think like being able to go home was also uh, a, a part of it um and then specifically also the the specific program that i got into with toronto because um basically the field experience in toronto partnered with a company called aic which is like an internship matching program hmm. and they match you based on your interests so you like give them your interests and you know they you basically say like you're interested in working like public policy or mental health or something like that and then they'll match you and then you interview with them and you you talk to see if you're a good match for them mm-hmm. if uh if they're a good match for you so that there was like go like a whole process with that which i was first placed with this um mental health i think it was like an advocacy group and they were really nice and it's the the organization seemed interesting but the work itself wasn't exactly what i wanted to do mm. um so i ended up doing research on my own and like basically asking AIC like our our partner organization if I could try to match with these specific organizations that I looked up and I actually um matched with one of them which was uh this organization called the International Center for Science and Drug Policy Mm. um I think they've changed their name to Drug Policy Evaluation Center but basically um they were kind of a research group slash organization that was based 
in Toronto, kind of affiliated with University of Toronto. Mm. But um, they did work looking at drug policy around the world and the impacts that it had on people in general, marginalized people, um, and how you know certain, I guess, like really strict drug policies affected things. Uh, usually negatively, or other things such as like decriminalization and um, harm reduction policies and and kind of the the effects those had. But Hmm. that was kind of a good kind of emergence for me of of science and public policy. So yeah, yeah, so that kind of um, cemented it for me and, and kind of made me excited about the program. And yeah. Okay, nice. So James Madison, which is like, the public policy college slash department that we were in. I don't know if we explained what Madison is. Right. But they um they they required field experience and I guess AIC was kinda of the organization they used, kinda of like the, the intermediary that placed you yeah. somewhere in Canada and that's where you ended mm-hmm. how you ended up with the the internship looking at drug policy and all that. Yes. Okay. Yep. Okay. So, Although I, I have oh, to say yeah. that I had to do I had to do a lot of the research on my own. Like I, oh, that's the right. matches you were, that they came, yeah, yeah, the matches yeah. that they came up with that they came up for me um, weren't ideal, and yeah, I kind of took it into my own hands. Yeah. But I think, like you know, I guess like if you were to ever do this program, I think that would be kind of an advice I would have to. If you're not happy with your your match, then I, I would say try to see if um, there's anything you can do on your own. Yeah. No, that's good, yeah. though, because um, maybe people, if they're going to do, you know, some sort of program abroad, like studying abroad or doing, you know, internship field experience, mm-hmm. they might think that, like, the options they're presented at first is, like, all there is. Like, they right. might just be tempted to take what is offered to them and not mm-hmm. think that they can kind of make it into their own experience. Um, yeah. And so, well, you not only took it upon yourself to think, okay, what would actually suit me best, but they were actually yeah. uh, accommodating to that and weren't like, yeah. no, you take what we give you or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, no, yeah. So that was definitely nice. Yeah, it's it's good that as a it as, as a student, you were kind of like, uh, I guess, empowered in that way to make it what you wanted yeah. it to be. I think. I think also because I knew that it wasn't going to be funded and I had to mm-hmm. basically like take out loans to <laughs> to pay for like housing and all like all the associated costs. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure that it was like a worthwhile experience or that I could maximize. I don't know. I, I could make sure that it was like the experience that I wanted, you know? Yeah. 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 As you mentioned, uh, Toronto is not far at all from mm-hmm. <laughs> from where we're from. <laughs> it's not, <laughs> it's not right. from uh, far from MSU or far from where uh, yeah. where you're from. You had been to Canada before, I presume. Yes, okay. I've been to Toronto a few times. Okay, uh, just with friends and stuff. All right, nice. And you've been abroad before, right? Born in Michigan, but when I was like two years old, I our family moved to Japan and we were living yeah. in Hiroshima for a few years. Okay. And then, so it was like, I was a baby and then we came back and, uh, I think I was five or six years old. Yeah. Um, and we moved back to the U S and I was, I've, I've been in the U S ever since. Well, I guess I'm now back in Japan now as I'm talking to you, mm-hmm. but, uh, <laughs> um, was in the U S, uh, you know, to after graduation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we visited, you know, every, 
every couple of years mm-hmm. um up to when i was i think like 12 or 13 but then after that i hadn't really gone abroad although again in college i i had a few like other experiences that were really really short term um going to honduras for i guess it was kind of like a public health service trip um mm-hmm. but yeah. yeah yeah is that the one that that Irene was on as Yes, well? I also went with Irene. Okay. I don't know if she talked about it on this podcast. But, I don't um, remember. I don't think she did. Okay. We'll see. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> just, just checking. Okay, so, you know, you had been elsewhere before, like yeah. outside of the U.S. before, and yeah. Canada, again, is not something that was completely new yeah. to you. So, I mean... Although I was... Yeah, oh, go sorry. ahead. Go ahead. Sorry go ahead. for cutting you off. It's <laughs> all right. You're good. Uh, I was just going to say, yeah, I guess it's not... It's not too different. I guess, like, Canada, also, like, Ontario and Toronto itself being on um, Lake Ontario mm-hmm. and near one of the Great Lakes, like, it's it's not... There's a lot of similarities, I think, with Michigan and, like, where I grew up in southeast Michigan. Mm-hmm. But I think it was also interesting in a way to be in a place that is so similar to the U.S. for the first time because I think, like something that's really interesting about Canada is people have this like stereotype about Canada being really friendly mm-hmm. and <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, being like our polite neighbor but I don't know how how true that is oh, <laughs> I don't know wow. I think it, it's just like I think it's like it's interesting comparing the two yeah. and seeing what the differences or similarities are and, and in some ways I think I saw more of the similarities than anything but hmm. um huh so not not such a friendly place, not so friendly well, people. Or... <laughs> I mean, it, there are people who are friendly, of yeah. course. Um, and I think it's just, I mean, it's usually like other people of color <laughs> in yeah. in the city. Um, I think just like any other uh, city I've I've been in. But yeah, I think overall, I mean, there there are a few times where I was called. Um, I don't know if I can. I, I, if I can actually say the word on this podcast, but the this the ch word. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. But uh, That's but awful. it wasn't anything that I was like that surprised about. But okay. Um, yeah. So like the friendly. I mean, this isn't something I haven't heard before, but the, like the friendliness thing of about Canada Canadians is kind of something, maybe more so we we want to believe, but yeah, when you're living there, and if you're not white i guess it's a different thing (laughs) yeah and i think maybe maybe it could be true to some extent in that like i think like you know how people talk about like midwest hospitality or like even like the south i think people talk about like the i don't know certain like hospitality that people have Mm -hmm. like in general right versus like maybe the east coast where maybe people are more cold in the u.s or like that's a stereotype quote unquote Mm -hmm. but yeah i'm sure there are are people who are warm and friendly in Canada, but I think all the baggage that the U.S. has, I think Canada has too. Yeah. Um, whether it's you know racism or or homophobia or you know all these things, I think it's 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 all very connected. You know, like it, yeah, it's it's. I feel like Canada and the U.S. are part of the same family, and <laughs> mm. I, I feel like people like <laughs> like to see them as like separate, and I think. Even just, like, recently with the recent news, um, you know, people are making jokes about, like, Canada looking over at the U.S. just being, like, 
what's going on over there or like <laughs> but it's just like you know like canada maybe has it t together more now but i think like at some points like the u.s is very much like that where they're they're very uh good at covering up i guess the violence or like the, the not so good things that that happen in the country so i see well Again, I'm sorry that you had that. <laughs> anyway, sorry I started on such a no, heavy note. But <laughs> no, you're being honest, and uh, and I appreciate that. And I'm sorry again that you had that slur hurled at you. Mm. That's really mm. despicable. Um, but uh, okay, so you know you're in Toronto for this internship. Mm -hmm. How did you go about you know getting situated? finding housing all that jazz how did that go yeah so for the housing um the program actually sets you up i don't think you're allowed to live elsewhere i think i asked because well i'm gonna try not to get too much into this this part of my experience in toronto just because it's a little bit more personal oh but, that's fine uh, i was oh, yeah. i was uh i was seeing someone at the time also in toronto or i guess like i was friends with someone, and then when I ended up interning there, I started seeing that person. Mm -hmm. But I was thinking of trying to not live in the the housing that the program set us up with, just because a um, it was kind of expensive, mm. and I thought I could find something cheaper on my own. But also, um, so with the housing that they set up for us too, I had I think four roommates with other people in the program, mm -hmm. and I think it was fine. But I think also like after meeting people in the program like it was all of my roommates were white and you know they were all friendly and and nice to me in general but i think i don't know there were i guess uncomfortable moments with that too and yeah so it you know i i ended up having to just live on the campus it was on the university of toronto's um saint george campus mm, which awesome. is actually like a beautiful campus it's really really nice there's a lot of greens Mm. Um, it's also in a really convenient spot. And, and um, I know I know you mentioned this already, but how long how long was this internship? How long were you in Toronto? It was three months. Three months, exactly, okay. I think, yeah. Yeah, during the sum summer, right? Yeah, during the summer okay. of twenty sixteen. Yes. Okay. Which is uh, like almost five years ago. That's <laughs> yeah. That's wild. That's wild to think about. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not think about that. We don't have to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay so what was like a typical day for you while you were in toronto i'm assuming most of your days were spent at the center uh study uh, looking at drug policy and everything but you know what did what was a typical day for you i'm trying to remember the details because it, it has been some time right mm -hmm. but i think like overall like i would go into work uh in the morning and um, I also biked a lot in Canada hmm. or in Toronto, which is really nice. I think Toronto in general is like really bikeable city. And I think that was the first time I really got into biking around as like a as a form of transportation. Hmm. But I would commute to work uh, on my bike. And then after work, I really didn't do too much. I, I would explore some of the parks in the area or... Um, hang out with a friend that I had. I think there were also some like program activities that I would avoid, <laughs> but um, I went to a few of them. There was a, there was something where we all went to 
the island. There's like some island right off right off the coast of Toronto. I forget what it's called. Hmm. But yeah, I think my day to day it was pretty boring. I would say I didn't really do too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. If you don't mind me asking, why w- would you typically avoid like the activities? Did you just not want to go, or I think it was just a little bit exhausting. <laughs> I don't know. There was something about it that uh, when I had to interact with the people in my program for really extended periods, I think everyone was like nice and friendly, but it was just uh, it wasn't something that I wanted to be around all the time. Mm. I think, like I mentioned, too, like, a majority of the people in the program were white. And I guess, like, I don't know, I guess there's always something about groups dominated by white people that's never really worked for me in a lot of different situations. And I think, I don't know if it's, like, the being tokenized or maybe not being seen fully. I I don't know what it is, but it's just, uh, it feels like you have to perform and and do all this thing and... Mm. Well, that's understandable. I wouldn't feel like doing that either. <laughs> so <laughs> I understand. <laughs> so I know you said your typical day was kind of boring, but like yeah. in terms of, you know, you're there for an internship. You don't have to get like extra specific, but like what were your duties? What was your role? At the internship? Yeah. Like how were you? Was there a specific project you were working on or like certain types of assignments? Yeah. Or I don't know if you call them assignments, but you know, like what, yeah. what was, um, how did you spend your time in this internship? Like what were you usually doing? Yeah. Um, I guess like most of it was doing readings and analyzing. It was kind of like literature reviews. So looking at kind of the literature out there on um, drug policy, harm reduction, decriminalization, I think also because I came into it without, I, I knew some of the basics, right? I knew about like like decriminalization and like why that was important or um, I guess like certain like harm reduction policies. But I guess like towards the beginning, it was a lot of me uh, just familiarizing myself more with the field in general and the certain policies being implemented around the world and I guess like certain cases um I remember, like, early on, there was something about just, like, reading about, like, the countries that first, like, really decriminalized, like, marijuana nationwide, like, Portugal. Um, yeah, so that was, like, one component of it. And then providing kind of summaries and analysis on on those readings. Another part was they were working with the Human Rights Watch, mm-hmm. and which is, I think, based in the U.S., but um, I, I guess they work globally. And so there was, like, the shared database of national drug policies, like, actual, like, documents that they were collecting and maintaining. So that that was something that I was doing to make sure that that was up to date and had all the... uh, A lot of countries have, like, five-year drug policy plans. So Hmm. um, I would look that up on the Internet or um, on specific websites to find to see if I can find those documents. I think there were, like, specific countries that we were trying to look at, but I think uh, mostly, like, the focus was on United Nations member states for some... I'm trying to remember what the exact reason was, but I think it was because 
part of the work that the organization, um, ICSDP, the International Center for Science and Drug Policy that I worked at, mm -hmm. um, they also did like advocacy work. So they would release statements. So they, for example, with the United Nations, when they had like a convention or when they convened on um, issues of like drug, for example, like they, I guess they do that like every couple of years. The organization would like submit a uh, letter directed at the UN, for example. So I think uh, because of that, they I think they were trying to prepare something else. So I think we were looking at UN member states to see what the drug policies of different various countries were like in different regions, mm -hmm. and then seeing like how that affected the people in mm -hmm. those countries and and what the actual I guess like efficacy or like if the policies were doing what they were doing and if um, it was resulting in maybe uh, negative outcomes as well. Hmm. And then there was also like an event that was held in Toronto, kind of a national drug um, convention, drug policy convention. Hmm. And I did some, I guess, like volunteering at the event, like tabling and um, helping out with setup and all that. I remember, I think it was like the ministry or like the head of the Ministry of Health was also there to give a speech. But I remember it was interesting because uh, there were a lot of different speakers and it was also like bilingual English, French. Mm -hmm. And when there was like a French speaker, they would translate into English. Yeah, I think that was like the kind of a big event at the end of the summer, at the end of my internship. But mm -hmm. I think those are really kind of my main tasks, I think. Okay. And uh, were you on, like, a large team? Like, the... I don't know if the organization that you were at is the organization, pretty big or no. Yeah, the organization is pretty small. Okay. Uh, I think it was kind of... It, it was, like, like in the name, it was, like, international. So there were people based in different areas. But mm -hmm. I think they had, like, a scientific board or, like, an advisory board. And then there was, like, the main people... But I think overall, like, including the scientific board, I think it was, like, 15 people or so. Oh, okay. Um, I can't remember the exact number. But I think in the specific, like, space that I was working at, there was four of us, actually, <laughs> including, I guess, like, the researcher that I worked for. And then there was a liaison and then another person who was uh, also working with us. But Okay. And you were the only yeah. intern? Yeah, I was the only intern. Okay. Uh, and any other Americans? If you, you uh, no, they were they were all Canadians. <laughs> okay, interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So, because a lot of times with like field experience, at least with like Madison field experience, yeah. there's like a some sort of like assignment or project that you have to do yeah. that you're evaluated on, um, yes. So that you, you know, pass the whole field experience thing? Yes. Do you remember what that was, if you had anything of the sort? Yeah, so that was like, um, I think they gave you two options. At least when I did it, they gave me two options. I think one was like a weekly journal kind of mm. thing, just like talking about each week's experience. Um, but that sounded kind of too tedious for me. So there was another <laughs> option, which was just like two big essays, I think. It was like one in the middle of your internship reflecting on the first half. And then one, like, big essay again, like, I think it was, like, five pages or something at the end of your internship reflecting on everything. Mm. I think I ended up submitting that last, the last essay in late just because I think, like, in between a transition between, like, internship and starting school, I was a little bit busy. Mm -hmm. um, but I was able to get an extension on that, so. 
that was nice. But yeah, those were like the two assignments that I had to do. Um, just reflecting on the internship, how it relates to like my own like professional goals or personal interests or um, and then just talking about just, I guess, general experiences that I had uh, mm -hmm. in Toronto and in the internship. So Okay, that sounds yeah. fairly yeah. straightforward. So, yeah, it wasn't too bad. <laughs> yeah. What about, like, outside your internship, you know, how did you spend your, any, like, free time or leisure time you had? I know you mentioned spending time with a friend, and, and I don't know if, yeah. like... <laughs> I don't know if since you mentioned how kind of draining it can be um, mm -hmm. being around white people all the time or feeling like you have to perform for white people all the time. I don't know if you intentionally yeah. sought out like non-white or multicultural spaces while you were in Toronto. I don't know. It's it's the first time I'm really talking about this too. So the friend that I had um, yeah. was someone that I was also like seeing romantically. Oh, like, yes, that we were, person. Okay. When, yeah, so we, when, we, when I was there... I, I did actually spend a lot of my free time with him and then his friends um, who were actually all really, really nice. And I think it's a little bit weird talking about it now just because uh, things didn't end on the best terms. Oh, I'm <laughs> and sorry. And I think he actually, <laughs> but uh, it was it was actually really nice at the time um, having them to hang out with. My friend, like he was, I guess his family was from Portugal. Mm. Um, so technically, I guess he's, he was white, but his um, his roommate and... His other friend that we would hang out with a lot were both Asian, and I don't know. It was really nice hanging out with them and and exploring the city and just doing random things with them. But mm -hmm. and I actually um, where the program housed us in was actually close to Koreatown and an area called the Annex. Mm. I don't know. It was really easy to go there, and I think I spent a lot, like most of my time, in that general area. So okay, I know it was like. Well, I don't know. Summer can be, like, a decent amount of time, depending on what you're doing. So I don't know if you found any, like, favorite places, favorite spots, or even favorite things yeah. to do while you were in the in the city. Yeah, I think going to the parks, especially, was really nice. Um, High, High Park is, was, is, like, this really big park on the west side of Toronto mm -hmm. that I went to a couple times. I think also I mentioned just, like, biking around. I think I would bike around the city a lot. And, yeah, I don't know. I just, like, I think that's, like, the summer that I really fell in love with biking. <laughs> and <laughs> realized, so nice. like, I think, like, before then, like, I didn't really get why people were into biking. And, like, it just seemed like, I don't know, only, like, certain enthusiasts or, or <laughs> people <laughs> would do. But, um, but especially, like, Biking around in a city like Toronto was actually really, really nice. It's just like, I think with, with biking in general, you get to explore like a wider area in a short amount of time. And it's just really convenient to get around. Also, like even now, like in, in Tokyo, I have a bike and I, I use it a lot to get around. So mm -hmm. um, I think that's something that's really stuck with me since then. I would say also I had, a f because Toronto's so close to Michigan, mm -hmm. uh, I had a few friends who visited, which was really nice, because um, I feel like if I had done the internship anywhere else, I don't know if, you know, friends would come out to visit, but yeah. I think because it was so easy to get to by car, I had, um, actually Irene visited me, um, oh, nice. <laughs> which was really, which was really nice, um, and we went to a few parks, uh, 
in and outside of Toronto. And then my friends, Millie and Joey also, um, I don't know if you know them or not, but yeah, they also um, came to visit me. And I think it was nice having familiar faces and, and close friends to spend my time in the city with, so. Okay. Oh, well, I I just want to say I would have visited you too. I don't think we were, we had met by then, but I don't think we were super close by then. Otherwise, yeah. I would have come to visit you too. Right. <laughs> oh, did you go home at all? I did go home too. I okay. went home once. Um, I When did I go? I think there was some like special holiday that we didn't have like anything. So I okay. ended up going home for a little bit. Yeah. Okay, now this is just something I have to ask, because since we both went to MSU, and you were talking about yeah. how much you came to, like, biking. You didn't bike yeah. while you were at MSU? You didn't go I did, bike across I did, campus? I did enjoy biking at MSU, too, but I got my bike stolen a few uh, times. Okay. Like, that was, like, a, I feel like a huge thing on, at MSU. Like yeah, people, yeah, yeah, it was. Which is, like, <laughs> I don't know. I think it was after the second time I got my bike stolen, I ended up just, just like, walking around campus a lot, and, or, or uh, not biking, busing mm. around campus. Uh, um, yeah, the busing system wasn't, I don't know, it was kind of inconvenient, so I think a lot of times I would just walk. I think at some point, I also had friends who drove, which mm. was nice, so I would ask them to <laughs> drive me to class, but yeah, I, I guess I didn't okay. bike around campus as much um, yeah. prior to Toronto. Okay. You know what? Now that I think about it, I never took a bike to campus. I always either walked or took the bus or later in the later, like maybe last Mm -hmm. one or two years, I had a car. So I guess that's not too strange. Never mind. I don't know why I thought to ask that when I never used a bike on campus (laughs) myself. Okay. Anyway, so that makes sense then. That's fine. I'm glad that you found a no, new appreciation for no, biking. No, that's real. Because <laughs> there's a lot. Of, I mean, there's a lot of people who bike on campus, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I did bike around a little bit, but I think like, I think with like MSU, even though like it is pretty expensive as in terms of like compared to like other campuses. Mm-hmm. Well, I wouldn't say there's not too much to explore, but I guess like once you've seen it, you're there for four years. There's you know, um, yeah, you yeah. can only go around to see so much right versus like like a big city like toronto Mm -hmm. it's just like i feel like you're always finding new things or Mm. um being able to explore new areas especially during a a time like a duration that's so short like three months but um it was more impactful for me like realizing that especially also like a city like in my mind like cities weren't that bike friendly in my mind like i didn't think I've never, like, really lived in a big city, so I didn't know if, like, I would be able to bike around a city, mm-hmm. but then I think, like, I realized, like, it also depends on the city, but I think, um, especially, like, a city like Toronto, um, that's also relatively flat, it, it was really nice to get around mm. via bike. Yeah. Nice. I'm glad that that was, that was a, <laughs> a new inconvenient, new and convenient um, <laughs> thing for you like a yeah. revelatory almost in terms of it, new, it new really was of, <laughs> new means of transportation but also exploring <laughs> your surroundings and everything right um okay so i'm prefacing this based on previous conversations we've had you can mm-hmm. say however much you feel comfortable saying okay mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you know it all sounds like pretty good like mm-hmm. how things 
were set up and what you were there to to like the field that you were working in and the location mm-hmm. and everything but you know i remember in the past us talking about it and you seemed like you were dissatisfied with well with canada and also honduras as well there were things that you were mm-hmm. dissatisfied with um that kind of made it difficult for you to even want to talk about these experiences mm-hmm. so i don't know if mm-hmm. if you can give an idea of what what about it ended up you know what what about it kind of let you down or let a you know left a bad taste in your mouth um with honduras i i, I don't think i'll i'll get too much into detail with that also because it was such a short experience it was mm-hmm. only a week long um but i think i mean i don't know if you're familiar with just like the kind of the interventionalism that happens in the u.s a lot or like people from the u.s like intervening in this way and going abroad and kind of like parachuting in i think the specific program that i was a part of kind of and the reason why i ended up doing it with honduras specifically was like they marketed it as this way of like building a relationship with these communities and uh, training them up, which I think to some extent they were doing right with like public health stuff, like making sure that they um, were implementing these like public health practices and having uh, people who could teach that and pass that on. But I think it was like looking back on it, it was still done in this way that feels very like paternalistic. Um, Mm. And in some ways I wish I hadn't done it, but I guess I didn't know better at the time. Because we also did, like, a lot of fundraising uh, for Honduras and um, just, like, all that fundraising for for something that, I don't know, it didn't feel like it was the best way to do that. Yeah. Right? Um, I don't know if you've talked to Irene about any of that before, but that was kind of my own, that was kind of my own take on that. And, you know, I think just, like, with American interventionism in other countries in general, I think there's always a component of that, um, you know, especially with like privileged college kids going to these areas that tend to be um, poor or not having a lot of resources. There's this dynamic that plays out that is uh, kind of malicious, I think. Mm. <laughs> but um, but yeah, and then with Toronto, I really didn't think I had anything to say about it. Like, I think like part of it was like, oh, yeah, this is like really this like the same as the u.s like it's it's just so much of the same stuff that that happens um i mean you know i think there's a stuff with i guess the personal aspect of it that i i wanted to avoid i'm still trying to talk about my time there without getting too much into the details of mm-hmm. of That's that fine. relationship because um <laughs> especially for like any listeners i feel like it's not so relevant to them but uh yeah, with Toronto itself, I think, because I think it was early on, like, uh, when you started this uh, podcast years ago, you had reached out to me if I wanted to talk about these experiences. And I was like, yeah, I'm not sure if um, I, you know, I have really anything to talk about or that would be worth talking about on the podcast. But I think, like, over the years, I've also noticed this kind of image that Canada has. I think, like, you know, when Donald Trump was elected, Everyone was like, I'm going to move to Canada. Everybody wanted to leave. <laughs> right, right, I'm going to move to Canada. I'm like, you guys know that Canada is also white supremacist and mm. also an imperialist nation too, right? And they mm. oppress uh, 
people just as much. I don't know why people haven't gotten there yet with Canada, like haven't understood that Canada is just like U.S.'s like younger sibling in this way of just like just doing the same things, you know. Hmm. But I think um, maybe Canada has better PR. (laughs) I I, I really, I really think that's a that's a huge part of it because I think and I think that's. You know, when I see, like, what's happening in the U.S. too now, like, with Biden becoming president and, like, everyone wanting to go back to the U.S. that we had before Trump, like, I don't, I don't know. I, I wish people talked about it more, but I think, like, under Obama and even prior to that, like, there was still things happening, right? Like, there was mm-hmm. violent things, fucked up things happening. But, yeah, I think the U.S. had better PR at the time. We had a president who was more polished and poised or, uh, you know, didn't have the same tendencies as Trump does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like Canada also had a prime minister who was also equally messy. Maybe not equally messy. I, I shouldn't say that. But who was also messy. I'm sure, like, if they had a different, I don't know, leader of the state who was not as polished or um, marketable, they'd have a different image. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think it, it really is just about, like, PR. I don't know. So I think because of that, I was like, I think maybe it would be good to talk about, you know, that experience in Toronto and could be an example for people to, I guess, like understand that, I guess, Canada has a lot of the same things going on as the U.S. Um, Mm. Although, you know, there was also good things about living in Toronto that was a big city because I think when you're in a bigger city, you can find your own people or your own space. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot easier than in in smaller cities, I would say, and also in a. I think Toronto is also a particularly international city. I think fifty percent mm. of the population is like immigrants or or foreign born. I think so. I think I don't know if I answered your question. No, you but, did. I was just um, listening to what you had to say. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm glad you brought up the the part about because um, I was going to ask since you mentioned. Um, wanting to live in a city since you hadn't really had that experience before if that was um you know if that i mean i don't know what you were expecting in terms of city life but if that if that Mm -hmm. met your expectations or in terms of uh, things about living (laughs) in a city that you might have thought were just different from you know living in the suburbs where you came from so yeah i think there was also like different events too there were more it felt like there were like more events too happening there was um Toronto Pride that year too mm-hmm. that summer which I actually missed um because I was taking the JLPT oh, in wow. Edmonton <laughs> but that was also like the World Pride and I came back I think uh towards the tail end of it or like I think it was the last day or something but it was really nice to see and I I think just be around yeah also I remember uh this is kind of it's not really tangential but related um, but with Toronto Pride, it was, I think, World Pride that year. Mm-hmm. But I remember, like, there was, like, a huge thing because the Black Lives Matter Toronto had uh, stalled the the parade for, I think it was, like, only, like, 30 minutes or something. But people were, I guess, like, really upset or mad about it. And I, it was just, like, they were asking Pride, I guess, like, the community there to acknowledge the anti-blackness in that space. Mm. And, and I think they had some demands that the city actually recognized, which is actually really good. 
but I remember like the conversation after like um my my friends in the city like I feel like they didn't really get why that had to happen and I think it was kind of disappointing for me because I think it it was also like another moment I think it it didn't I don't think it was necessarily related to Toronto because it happens, I feel like, all the time. But I think in queer spaces, like, people think that they're better about race or because of their experience that they're, like, more open-minded. But I think there's just as much, like, racism and anti-blackness and in, in, uh, queer communities, too. And I think that was, like, yeah, it's just such a thing, I guess, everywhere um, and really, really frustrating and I think I was, because I remember I was really excited for Toronto Pride because I've actually never, I was, I've never been in a, uh, a Pride event before in my life, mm-hmm. which I think at that point I was kind of over just because I remember like realizing like how commercialized it is and like how corporatized <laughs> Pride has become in general. Mm-hmm. But still, like I was like, oh, I've never been to one. It's exciting. But then uh, I just remember, um, I think, being hit by kind of the reality of like like even in, in an international city like toronto like having stuff like this happen mm-hmm. having people not understand i wasn't necessarily surprised by it but i think i i sat with it and reflected on it a lot that summer so yeah, yeah. well i know because uh, there's some questions i had about japan and i know you wanted to talk about japan as well i do have one other question yeah. in terms of toronto like in terms of like the city experience you were seeking did you not yeah feel that city vibe or whatever in Detroit? I don't know how much time you spent in Detroit before you, you know, went to Toronto for the no. internship, but was that something? Um, no, I, I would say I, I feel that I, I, I definitely get that too. I haven't lived in Detroit before. Like, I haven't yeah. lived in the city of Detroit before, so I've visited, but I guess it's like living in a city mm. versus um, visiting is totally different. Yeah. I guess, like, this is also just going based off what I hear. Although, like, I have a friend who lives there now who bikes around a lot, actually. Um, and they really enjoy that. So, <laughs> I'm like, that That in sounds Detroit? nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, but I think in terms of, like, public transportation, like, Detroit doesn't seem to have it. Like, you have to drive around everywhere. Mm. Um or I guess bike around uh, if you have a bike, and okay. I would say yeah, I, yeah. I, I I don't know if I can really speak on it because I've never really lived there, but I do think. I mean, also I guess just city size wise, I think Detroit is more kind of like a mid sized city in my mind, whereas Toronto. I, I don't know how the population compares, but I think Toronto is a lot bigger uh, in size than Detroit. Hmm. Yeah. But I could be wrong. I'm not... Yeah, I mean, not sure. I haven't lived in Detroit either. I know it's, like, more spread out than people think it is. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of size, though, you might be right that Toronto is a bit bigger. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was just asking because, um, you know, Detroit is a city, too. So I don't know if maybe there was something about Detroit, that, something you didn't feel in Detroit that you did in Toronto. But, again, like you said, living versus visiting or two yeah. different things so you know yeah not uh, really i actually yeah i really like detroit too but um i got you i see what you mean <laughs> i just thought i'd ask <laughs> okay <laughs> okay um all right so that was toronto right and then you i remember previously when we were talking about this you were saying something about 
how you kind of wanted to talk about trying to study in Japan and not being able to versus living mm-hmm. in Japan now. So I don't mm-hmm. know if there's anything about that that you want to feel like speaking to today. I don't know. Yeah, so actually,、um, I also applied to programs that summer that I, I was supposed to intern in Toronto. I also applied to some programs in,、uh, I think it was Tokyo and、yeah. Osaka. And I remember it was Tokyo and then Osaka or Kyoto. I forget <laughs> which of the programs <laughs> I applied to. But it, was,、um, it wasn't affiliated with the school. It was kind of a, I think it was like a biotech organization、um, hmm. with、okay. an internship program. So I applied, but yeah, didn't hear anything back. Basically, didn't get in. At the time, though, I, I, really, would, like, I really wanted to intern in Japan and、uh, live there since I, you know, I never really got the chance to live there since, since I was like, a young child. Like, I, I never really got that experience. And I think I was also interested in living in, and working in Japan at some point, too. So.、Mm-hmm. I really wanted that experience, but、um, I, guess, uh, I guess MSU has some internship, or not internship, study abroad programs in Japan,、uh, which you were a part of. But、uh, I guess, like, <laughs> yeah. but I guess like,、um, in terms of like, what I wanted to actually do like, in a study abroad or internship, like, MSU didn't have that.、Um, mm. Just because like, I already knew Japanese, right? Like, I, I, I didn't see. I, I think the center did have like, other classes you could take, but it wasn't necessarily like, I think, in the field that I was in. Yeah. So I never ended up doing that. And luckily, like, I'm, I'm working and living in Japan now. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense because, like,、uh, as you alluded to, like, the, at least the programs through MSU to go to, to Japan were very much like, language or culture focused. Or if they had specific focuses outside of language, like Japanese language and culture, they, I guess, were not what you were looking to do. So it makes sense that you were looking elsewhere to try to do something else. Unfortunately, that didn't work out.、Um, yeah. But now you're living and working there now, doing an internship somewhere and you know, living somewhere temporarily is different from you know, moving somewhere, right? So I don't know. If living there now, you're getting the, in some way, getting the experience that you were seeking previously that you didn't、um, get to have. I don't, I don't, or if it, is it、yeah. something new and different entirely? I would say, I mean, like, I never, I never got that experience when I was in college to、mm. um, study or live in Japan. So I don't know what it actually would have been like, but I think, like, in my mind, I really wish I had just so that I could have. Because I think there was a lot of things that I had to deal with when I first moved out here that I wish that I kind of already was familiar with when I、um, lived out here. Because I think, you know, being like Japanese, but also being born and mostly raised、um, in the US outside of Japan,、mm-hmm. people can't immediately tell that when, you know, they're, they're just looking at me.、Um, although, I guess like I've been. I've been pulled over by the police、uh, five times since I moved out here. Oh, really?、Um, and it's been only, yeah, it's been just over a year since I've lived here. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. My, my partner、um, jokes about it a lot because he never, he's, he's never gotten pulled over in like all his life living in Japan. But、uh, 
Yeah. Dang, five times? I don't know. I, I'm just like, do I look that suspicious? Like, what it is? Like, what, like, what is it? But, um... Huh. But I guess in general, like, people can't really tell, I guess, unless maybe they're looking at you. Um, and then, but the thing is, I guess, at work and stuff, like, when I start speaking, like, I guess people can tell, like, I have a slight American accent or um, my mannerisms aren't, like, a typical, quote-unquote, Japanese. Hmm. But I think, like, in terms of just, like, living in Japan, I, I think I really wish I had that experience, too, because I think... Being around people who, like, look like you and, mm -hmm. like, not standing out, like, really, like, being able to, like, mind your own business and do your own thing without feeling like you're being looked at or, like, mm -hmm. that ex that gaze that <laughs> I feel like you sometimes feel in certain areas or situations in the U.S. Um, I feel like I almost don't feel that entirely in some ways mm -hmm. in, in Japan, which is really nice and something that I feel like I've never really experienced before because, you know, even though, like, I was living in Japan when I was really young, like, I wasn't that conscious or aware of things then. So yeah. I think, like, when I was a kid and we moved to the U.S., I started, like, really, really young to catch on to, you know, how people were treating me. Um, and I guess that gaze, too, just, like, whenever you're out and about. But, yeah, so I think that... That's been really nice, yeah. um, living so, in Tokyo. So even even being pulled over five times in you know, a year that, and some change, you still that, feel more like you belong. <laughs> no, I'm not trying to be facetious. I'm just asking, like, you still feel more like you belong and you're not under some, some gaze, mm. like a white gaze or the gaze of the dominant culture um, yeah. I mean, it's, while it's you're complex. in Japan. I feel it much less than in the U.S. I, I, it is something that, you know, being pulled over so often in Japan, I I do sometimes think about, like, why it is. Although, like, I feel like in some ways, like, because I look East Asian or look Japanese, I feel like I have this privilege in this way in Japan. Hmm. But at the same time, like, I guess, like, I don't know, maybe it's the way I dress or the way... Because <laughs> I, I do... No, I really do think, like, even, like, when I lived in the U.S., I, it's more kind of like intuition. I guess like it's not always right, but I could tell, like I, I could usually get right, like especially with like East Asians, like where uh, they seem to be from based on their mannerisms, even from afar. Mm -hmm. um, so I wonder like at work, um, someone did tell me that they felt like there was something about me and like the mannerisms that I had. And this is a Japanese person, like someone who grew up and was born and raised in Japan. Mm -hmm who was telling me that there was something about me that didn't seem Japanese. Hmm. <laughs> and and I was asking her, like, oh, like, what do you think it is? She's like, like, hmm, like, I don't really know. And then um, I was like, I wonder, like, I pointed out to her that I think, I wonder if it's, like, the way, like, my face or body moves. Because I think also when I speak, I use, like, hand gestures a lot more, too. Like, whenever I'm speaking, like, my partner who mostly grew up in japan um always gets like starts like staring at my hands when i'm talking yeah i do which i think is maybe more of an american thing i don't i definitely don't see a lot of japanese people talking with their hands that much um <laughs> so he he always like his eyes get big and like he <laughs> especially when i get excited about something i'll start like really talking with my hands 
I'm sure like the way I dress too is probably um probably more in like in an American sense mm-hmm. or like in this yeah or something like that or so okay. yeah I don't know what it is but um I do get pulled over the police a lot and <laughs> I think that that does that that is on my mind sometimes but I don't think too deep about it I mm-hmm. just like my mom also says that I'm just like unlucky with the police. Like it's not. It's, like it's just like because like in the U.S. too, I've gotten pulled over so many times and gotten mm-hmm. so many tickets and yeah. But I guess like going back to your question because I kind of went on a tangent there. While I do sometimes feel the gaze in Japan too, in terms of I guess from other Japanese people, I think in general I stand out a lot less than when I'm. I guess like. At Myers, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like we're like surrounded by white people or something like that, you know. Okay. But yeah, I I don't know if we we touched on it in this conversation, but um, if you want to, uh, like yeah. touch on why you decided to move to. Oh Lord, what is wrong with me today? What were like the motivating <laughs> factors when you deciding to move to move to Japan? I know you touched um, on like wanting to connect more to your culture yeah. and and not and be around people who look like you. But were there any other major reasons for why you decided to move? Yeah, I mean it's for a long time. Like ever since I was in middle school or high school, because actually this has been a thing for me for a long time. Of like, you know, growing up in the U.S., like I think I really felt like I had lost something in some ways. Like mm-hmm. I felt like I lost something. I wanted to get it back, and part of that was, you know, coming back to Japan. I guess like moving and living here on my own mm-hmm. was trying to regain some sense of that.、Um, and even if I, I realized that that might not be possible, so I think like even in, in that sense, like figuring out my position within that, like figuring out how I guess like I relate to other Japanese people who are born and raised here, and Trying to understand how different my own perspective is from、mm. theirs, I guess there's that, and then I guess another reason is the sense for me too of like returning to, I guess like trying to understand where I come from, which is I guess related to the other thing, but in the in the way of like, I really feel like the work that I can do in my life is going to be connected to. I guess like being able to use both my Japanese and English, and trying to bridge some kind of gap in understanding, or、mm-hmm. maybe something that's not re- readily available to to one side or the other from from either either countries. But I think I think about I guess like how my parents left Japan, and how I feel like there's a lot of things that. They themselves maybe didn't work through、um, before they left, and I guess trying to understand like what it is about the country, because I think there's a lot that happens in Japan too, right? That、mm-hmm. is also fucked up, and I feel like I have some sense of understanding of like what it is in the U.S., right? And the thing is, like with Japan, it's like so much connected to the U.S. Like、mm, yeah. everything about Japan, and like especially like post World War II Japan,、um, but then also I guess just like since Meiji era <laughs> Japan is like so much connected to the U.S. and Western culture and like Western influence.、Mm-hmm. And then the the thing is like Japan has like impacted and 
I would, I would say, that, I guess, the government itself and just, like, intervening in other countries and, and, and colonizing other countries. And mm. I guess, like, I see it as, like, very much connected. And I saw it as really important for me and saw in myself that there there is something there for me to explore and understand in Japan, even if it's just, like, for myself or my own family to come to terms with what it is about I guess, like, the U.S., but then also Japan, that needs to be, like, addressed or dealt with. Because mm. I think, like, also, like, the I, I've talked with you about this before um, privately, but my grandpa on my dad's side was born in, in South Korea and mm, originally yeah. had a South Korean name. And um, he came to the U.S. Uh, not the U.S. He came to Japan and he basically changed his name to a Japanese name and kind of assimilated into Japanese culture. I guess but both my parents knew about my grandpa, but he was really conservative. He was really nationalist, like Japanese nationalist. Mm. And even though he was born in Korea as a Korean person and like how that plays out like in our family, I guess like I feel like it's so much related to like everything in my family too. Mm. Um, and how for me, like coming back to Japan, was in a way like returning to that and returning to some of these questions and things that maybe weren't dealt with um, in previous generations. And I, I felt like living here and being here would be the best way to do it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, so it, it's, it sounds like you're seeking a lot. Like you're seeking to, to learn and understand a lot of things pertaining to you know your own life like your mm-hmm. your identity and, and your your family and everything or mm-hmm. even like you said even professionally what you might want to do uh, going mm-hmm. forward which yeah I remember you said something about wanting to being interested in like translating literature or something like that like literature from yeah. the states to the Japan so that's cool yeah um, yeah but then I don't I'll, know if I'll ever get around to that because I have so many different project ideas you know? <laughs> <laughs> but you might you know. Yeah, a, yeah, hopefully. You have a lot of time. But then also, like you said, seeking so to understand Japan, like, historically and, and politically and socially as well. So it's like... Yeah. I don't know. It's it's like you're you're trying to soak up so many things um, <laughs> at the same time. I and know. that's really cool. Because yeah. everyone moves to a new country with, like, ideas or, or plans. But it also helps to be open. Um, yeah. I have a tendency to, like, maybe be, like, overly reflective or think get too much into my head but i think um (laughs) this year i really want to be a little bit more focused about what actions i can take and like really trying to like you know like the the translation stuff like the translation project ideas that i had or um you know i think i've talked to you about trying to like produce some videos on different topics Mm -hmm. but i think yeah i think this year it'd be nice if i can get a little bit more focused and and like actually take some action on some things yeah. Get to like more of the doing as opposed to just yeah. the thinking and planning and all that. But I think like with living in another country, it just like takes a long time to get adjusted. Right. So like I think like the last year, like I've been living in Japan for a year and I think just over three months now. Mm-hmm. But I think like the first year definitely it was just like it was just getting situated. Like <laughs> it, it always takes me such a long time to adjust to a new living situation mm-hmm. um, and get settled. So I think just recently, I think I, I've been feeling like things are starting to feel more settled. Like I am moving to a new job, but hopefully like that won't be t- 
I don't know, that won't take too long to get settled because I think everything outside of that feels pretty, um, I feel a lot more like familiar and have a routine with, with things in my life. So Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you are, are adjusting. I know, especially with your the apartment and everything, that was a big thing for you in terms of yeah. feeling like settled and, and, right. and kind of creating your own space within Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Just so people are, are aware who are listening, you transferred from like your job in Michigan. You transferred like within the same company yeah. to Tokyo, right? Yeah. And, yeah. And so currently, well, the job you're moving on from, you work with both Japanese and non-Japanese people, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. In terms of, like, work culture, working environment, even though you were within the same company as you were before, did you notice anything different or um, compared well, to... Well, I think... Well, I would say, like, so at the company that I'm leaving soon, it's, like, a navigation-based, like, Dutch company. Mm-hmm that is pretty global but i would say like i think in general when i talk to other japanese people too there's this image of foreign companies in japan being a lot more lax like Mm. even if like they have a japanese office like it being a lot more lax like being more like having like flexible hours or not encouraging overtime or, or like discouraging overtime mm-hmm. I, would, I should say my experience specifically on on my team here in tokyo has been it hasn't been too different from the one in the u.s just because like yeah it felt very just like open yeah very chill i don't know i don't know how to describe it mm. i mean chill is a good word chill is <laughs> a nice way that people would like to describe their, their work right. environment it's better than it being um, too stressful or stringent or whatever. So, like, the way it works at my company is, like, each office has an office head. So, like, our Tokyo office has an office head who's this Japanese person. Mm-hmm. And he, I feel like he really sets the tone for the whole office. But he himself is, like, very, very, like, chill, laid back, and lax. So I think that really helps. And I remember t- talking to my team about it where, like, I think... The Tokyo office seems in some ways even like more quote unquote progressive than the US offices that I was a part of. Because hmm. also like the US offices didn't, before COVID and everything, they didn't really allow remote work. Hmm. But like the Japan office, like even before COVID, you were allowed to work from home twice a week. Yeah. Um, And then with COVID, it's just been, I guess like ev- like a lot of people are working from home now mm-hmm. um, in, in uh, office jobs, but... But I would say it's also it also depends because I think that's the stereotype that people go to about working for a Japanese company versus like foreign companies. My sister um, was also working and living in Tokyo for a little bit. She moved back to the U.S., but she was working for I think it was the U.S.-based company, but the Japanese office was like she was saying it was like very like the work culture there was very Japanese. Um, like very strict, very like rigid, but I don't know. I would say it depends on the the company. Yeah. I think yeah. Yeah. Because I think in in the U.S. too, like I sometimes with like when people like essentialize cultures, like mm-hmm. you know they, they you know when people talk about like Japanese culture being this way, or you know American culture being this way, I I sometimes wonder like I I'm sure like some of it is true. 
but I feel like there's a lot more to it. Um, how do you find living in Tokyo so far? Do you like Tokyo as a city? Do you enjoy living there? Are there specific things um, that you find enjoyable or not so enjoyable about the Tokyo experience? Um, let me think. I would say overall, I it has been really nice. I think the area that I live in is like a lot more low key.、Mm-hmm. It's like after I moved, I moved a little bit closer to the core of the city.、Mm-hmm. But even then, like it, there's still not a whole lot of people where I live.、Um, versus like Shibuya or Shinjuku, where like I don't actually like being in those areas too much. I haven't been there in a while because of COVID.、Mm-hmm. Um, But I just remember every time I went there, I feel like I would get a headache just because it's just like so many people, <laughs> just always really crowded. But then there's like, you know, Tokyo's a big city, so there's, there's a lot of different areas, and、um, the areas that I've lived in have tended to be more low key,、mm-hmm. kind of have this like local feel to it. Local in the sense of just like, it doesn't really necessarily feel like Tokyo, like a, like a big city per se.、Mm. I don't know. I guess this is just like a thing about living in big cities. I sometimes compare Tokyo to New York, although I don't know if that's an accurate comparison,、mm-hmm. but it feels like this, there's this like fast paced kind of mentality where like a lot of people are trying to climb,、mm-hmm. um, or like get better things or I don't know, spend money or I don't, I don't know. There's this like mentality, which I guess like, you know, even in New York, There's a lot of people in a lot of areas that don't have that mentality, right?、Mm-hmm. But I think, like, overall, there's just like, this like, overall energy in, in, in the city or like, in interactions in Tokyo that I feel, which I don't know if I like too much.、Um, but I think it's just like how maybe living in a big city is.、Um, when I was living back in Michigan for a little bit, and whenever I am in like, smaller cities or less populated, Like cities, I feel a lot better. I think I feel like a lot calmer.、Mm. I feel like I don't know if it's I, I think I get really affected easily by how people are surrounding me.、Mm-hmm. I think,、um, and it's been okay though because you know, I just like just interacting with the people that、um, I feel good around that maybe don't have that mentality and. Don't necessarily、uh, re- reinforce or per- perpetuate that.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Overall, it's, 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 been, it's been really nice. I think, I mean, with COVID, everything's been kind of crazy.、Mm-hmm. Um, and、yeah. I don't think it's been like a normal, entirely normal experience. But、um, mm-hmm. having, having like the kombinis,、um, <laughs> I don't know. Just like, especially like there are some days, I, I think this week, for example, like I couldn't cook too much、uh, just because I was so busy with interviews and. Um, stuff at work, preparing to like leave and all that. But like being able to just go down to the kombini and buy like a quick bento or meal、mm-hmm. um, that's not too expensive is nice. Whereas I feel like in the US, especially in Michigan, I feel like you would have to drive somewhere. Or... <laughs> <laughs> especially if it's like past a certain time, you might be yeah, out of luck. Yeah. I, yeah. I did want to ask、um, because you mentioned when you were talking about Toronto, how like in a big city it's kind of easier to find your people. And I was wondering、mm-hmm. if maybe you feel like you found your people in Tokyo so far, or maybe、mm-hmm. not yet. <laughs> okay,、yeah. actually, that's, that's, that's like a whole thing because I've been trying since I moved out here. Yeah. 
And they're like in Toronto too, I use some like meetup groups. Um there's like meetup.com. I'm sure other guests might have mentioned that or you might be familiar with it. Mm-hmm. But uh I did try that in Tokyo too. And there's like there are two groups that I there's one called the Yamanote Queer Collective. Hmm. Um and then another called the Queer Feminist Book Club. Hopefully, no one from those groups listened to this podcast. (laughs) I'll try my best. I mean, like, both groups, I think, were, like, well-intentioned, but I didn't feel like I fit in in both. Mm. And I would say, like, both were very English-centered. And then also, like, uh, especially the queer feminist um, reading group that I, I think attended two sessions. It was, like, organized by white women living in Tokyo. And which is, like... I, I gave it a chance. Like, I was very open mm-hmm. to it, right? But it did very feel... It, it felt very dominated by those perspectives. And also, yeah, I think, like, in the meetings, like, there were, like, other Japanese people, but they didn't really speak up because they didn't... I, like, everyone was kind of dominating in English. I haven't really figured out how to navigate that or if I if that's even a space that I want to be in. Mm. Um, I feel like I'm leaning more towards the ladder and seeing if I can find a space that um, I can have conversations that don't have to center those perspectives. And I'm sure there are. And I think like part of it is like, I don't know where to look in Japanese Mm -hmm. um, to find some of those spaces too. But I have made one friend who is gay and he is like a, an illustrator but mm, neat. yeah it's not really like a <laughs> space but I, yeah i've made one friend so far living in tokyo and i have my partner who, yeah. who uh lives here too so hopefully um yeah i'll be able to find find more of your people, more people. Yeah. yeah yeah well like you said it takes a while to get adjusted and now that you've gotten more adjusted hopefully that will happen is this is like an indefinite thing for you living in japan Right? Or maybe you have a plan where you might move on to somewhere else after a few years or I don't know what what, what <laughs> I guess I should ask like do do you see yourself <laughs> living in Japan for a, a long a long time? Yeah, I guess it is indefinite in the sense that I don't really know how long mm-hmm. slash what my plans are after. I think with Tokyo specifically, for some reason, I can't picture myself living here more than five years. Okay. Um, just because I, I feel like there are other places that maybe I want to be more. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there are, I guess my, what I, what I thought going in is that Tokyo would have a lot of resources and like a lot of, a lot of spaces where I can connect with people, um, and learn about things. But I think, like I mentioned, it's been a little bit difficult with that. I think, like, there's a part of me that also wants to come back to the U.S. too. Um, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> You're that Even shocked. after the whole thing with the Capitol that just happened, you still want to come back? <laughs> you, you know, like, I, I really don't care for the U.S. in that way. Like, I really don't care. <laughs> I really don't care for, like, you know, the U.S. government. And it is kind of, like... I do worry about where things are going to head, but almost all my close friends are in the U.S. Uh, And I feel like... And your family, too. You know, like, I feel like, yeah, my family, too. And I feel like 
a lot of the people that I care about are in the U.S. Um, not to say that there aren't people that I care about in Japan, but I feel like that's where I'm most connected in the U.S. And mm. I think that's partly, partially like why I'm a little bit hesitant because there's a lot of like stuff that I don't want to deal with in the U.S. Like, you know, living in Tokyo, I haven't had to deal with white people that much at all, mm. except for mm. minus like a few coworkers at my current job. Mm. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm sure it'd be fine though, because I feel like in some ways, like I feel like I spend so many years becoming familiar with how to navigate that stuff that mm-hmm. in some ways, like I'm. I feel more confident being able to navigate that than like navigate certain like interactions in Japan.、Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. So for now, you're good in Tokyo, but in the、yeah. future, who knows? Basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think it'd be cool to go to Hiroshima, but I don't. That's just like a idea that I have that I haven't thought out at all. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's another question I was gonna ask is like, where else in Japan you've been so far since you've moved? Yeah, I haven't traveled that much. I am also because of COVID,、right. but <laughs> I've been <laughs> I've been to Hokkaido. Well, I did also go to Okinawa, and I've been to Hokkaido.、Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that those are the only. Oh no, I have also been to Osaka too. Okay, but not to Hiroshima. You haven't been to Hiroshima to visit your. Your your people there, your I relatives. I haven't. Yeah, yeah.、Okay. <laughs> I haven't yet.、Um, the thing is, like, my family is not that close, or doesn't keep us close、ah, in、okay. touch with the people there.、Yeah. My dad has a cousin there, who I recently like. Well, I met two years ago when I came to visit with my sister, and I've been meaning to reach out to her and visit her because she's actually really nice.、Mm. Um, But yeah, I haven't been to Hiroshima since I moved out here. Okay. Well,、But. obviously you have plenty of time, and of course you want to be cautious with、um, the virus and everything. So you'll get to Hiroshima eventually, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there?、Um, oh, I didn't ask when you were in Canada. Did you stay in Toronto, or did you go elsewhere in Canada as well, or did you stay in like the Toronto go, area? I stayed mostly in the Toronto area. I did visit.、Um, Thunder Bay with、uh, my then、uh, partner,、mm-hmm. and then I also with Irene we went to this area called Elora Gorge, which is this like nature area with like hiking trails、uh, near like a big gorge that has like lined with like beautiful trees. But yeah, I, I surprisingly didn't go to Niagara Falls at all,、mm-hmm. and、I've, I haven't. I think my family went once when we were really young. I think like. When I was like a baby or something, but I, I thought about going, but I didn't really have any like, motivation or <laughs> interest in going, <laughs> even though it's so close. So, all right. Well, I figured. I, I just was curious.、Um, hmm. Where else in Canada you might have gone?、Uh, I've gotten the, in the habit of asking this question、um, mm-hmm. when I interview people for the show, but.、Uh, I'm trying to be careful because I I don't want to like push people to go traveling right now.、Um, oh, okay. <laughs> but like in the future when it's like safer, more advisable,、yeah. is there anywhere within Japan that you? I mean, you mentioned Hiroshima, but、um, is there anywhere else in Japan or elsewhere in the world that you would like to go to? Yeah, there is like 
So I really want to go to、uh, Jeju Island、mm. um, in South Korea. And I think I mentioned this to you before, probably just because、uh, my grandpa was born there.、Yeah. And、um, I wanted to do some like, family history digging to see, like, I don't know if I can find information on like, his family or like. I think his Japanese records have like, when he came to Japan, but like, if he, when he left, South Korea, like, I don't know, like when he left or if he went anywhere else, or、mm-hmm. yeah, I wanted to go there to do that,、mm-hmm. but probably not anytime soon. I'm really bummed because I have a month between jobs <laughs> coming up. And oh, that would have been the perfect time. <laughs> I know, it would have been perfect, but you know, it's okay. It's, it's not happening.、Um, <sighs> there's, I guess there's bigger problems in the world, so. Right,、um, right. But I think Jeju Island, I think there's a friend, um, From college, because、um, I was studying Portuguese,、uh, there was like a Portuguese English exchange thing at MSU.、Mm. And that's how like, I met this friend、um, who was doing like, an exchange program in, at MSU at the time.、Um, she's back in Brazil now, but、mm. um, I was thinking like, maybe I could visit Brazil at some point and you know, visit her and、um, maybe other people that I know there. But yeah, that's kind of. Further down in the future, I guess. I don't have any plans for、yeah. that. It's a lot of uncertainties、uh, yeah. <laughs> in the world right now, but it's nice to still have ideas.、Um, yeah. And I hope eventually you do get to go to those places. I'm wondering if you have any like, advice for someone who maybe wants to have or do similar things that you've done、uh, as far、mm-hmm. as like, studying abroad or doing an internship and. Well, specifically in Canada for you, or living and working in Japan. Do you have any general advice for someone who wants to do, th- th- oh Lord, have some of the same experiences <laughs> that you've had so far? I'm trying to also think about like, advice that people have given, but you know, speaking to advisors is helpful. But I think like, if there are specific programs at your school, especially with the internship thing, I mentioned like, you know, there was a matching. Like the program had like a matching system,、mm-hmm. um, but I wasn't happy with it. I would say, like, try to, I guess, advocate for yourself and see if you can get the experience that you, you want,、mm-hmm. especially because、um, if you're paying money for it, <laughs> I'm just like, you know, or taking out loans for it, it's like, you know, you, you want to make sure that it's worthwhile. Yeah. And I think, in terms of like actually doing the search to find organizations, like, Um, at the time, like, I was looking at more research kind of focused things. So,、um, I was looking at universities or university affiliated kind of organizations. I feel like just like looking, looking at,、um, organizations that are doing work in the area that you're interested in,、mm-hmm. in doing like a simple Google search,、um, you, you might be able to come across some. And that's how, like, I came up with a list for mine and I just sent it to the, the person that I was working with for the program,、uh, for matching. So. But then, for I guess for working and living in Japan,、um, I guess I got kind of lucky because my current company relocated me from the US, which was really nice.、Mm-hmm. But I guess if you, because there is another person who got relocated from, from Poland,、um, who I work with right now. And the thing is, he didn't, he, doesn't, he didn't know any Japanese, like he didn't study any Japanese, but he is like a major otaku, like super into anime. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and like, I guess that was, I guess that was his like qualification. Okay.、Um, but, 
I don't know. I, he was really interested in living in Japan, which is like I guess like really important too. But mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and he he was in the job for a while, so had the like trust with <laughs> the managers. But I guess like if you work for a company that has an office or team in a country that you want to work with, or a, a country that you want to work in, mm -hmm. um, I guess even if you don't speak the language, I would say you know. Um, my Polish coworker was able to, so you might as well give it a shot and <laughs> see <laughs> um, if they'll let you relocate. Uh, but if not, if you do speak the language or if if you are willing to try learning, it might be helpful to to uh, to start on that maybe before you think about relocating. Because I'm sure that would be really helpful with um, starting life in that in that country too. Because I think one of the things with my Polish coworker is that. Um, yeah, he really, he really didn't speak like a, a, a single word when he uh, moved here, mm -hmm. except for like something like Dragon Ball Z related. Oh, I, no. I feel like because Are you serious? <laughs> yes, but <laughs> but yeah, the thing is, uh, I I had to help him out a lot, which was which was fine, um, because I guess it counted as work. But mm -hmm. I think uh, he struggled. I think he still kind of struggles a little bit not being able to speak Japanese. He says he's a lot happier here than in Poland, which is good. But I think it would be helpful to be able to speak the language yeah. too, right? So. Yeah. Okay. And um, any tips in terms of being able to afford doing a, an internship in another country? Or maybe even if there's anything specific you didn't able to save up, if you didn't need saving up for moving to Tokyo and all that. Financial tips. Um, I mean, I took out loans because, like, I, I think there were some scholarship opportunities for Toronto, but I think the, like, I applied to the internship too late or something, so I wasn't, I couldn't qualify for that, hmm. um, that fund. Uh, even if, I, yeah, I, I wasn't able to be considered at all for that. But yeah, I took out loans, which isn't necessarily like a good tip or anything in general like just something i had to do <laughs> mm -hmm. but um post-graduation i feel like i learned how to yeah i i didn't really have like financial skills i guess that much mm. but um i feel like i kind of just uh looked at resources online to find out how to better manage manage my own finances um, I kept a uh, Excel sheet for a while with, like, all my spending and, like, mm -hmm. just tracking everything each month just to make sure that I'm I'm not spending more than I than I want to. Yeah. Um, That's funny. I do that, too. I still do that. <laughs> okay. I stopped keeping it up recently, but I've been, I've been thinking about getting back to it just because... The thing is, I, I, I don't spend that much money in general, <laughs> so um, I haven't been... Especially in COVID, I haven't really been spending money on anything, so uh, okay. I kind of stopped doing that. But I think I'll probably get back to it soon, because um, I think that that was a really helpful practice for me, especially because uh, I lived in San Francisco for a little bit. Um, oh my goodness, I can't believe San Francisco yeah. hasn't come up in this entire <laughs> right, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know, you visited me. I know, I did. <laughs> That's okay. How do we not? How do we miss that? <laughs> okay, but yes, you live in San yeah. Francisco. <laughs> yeah, I didn't forget that I visited you. I guess I just didn't think no, no. San Francisco <laughs> was relevant to the conversation. Yeah, I mean it's not really abroad, so it is still in the U.S. Um, <laughs> even though, yeah, it's really it, it was really expensive living there, and yeah. I wasn't making 
uh, nearly as much too. Tokyo is expensive, but for some reason it doesn't feel expensive in this way. And I think spending, like when you go shopping and stuff, I think that stuff is generally expensive. I think it's probably like equivalent to like New York or other places, right? I、mm-hmm. think in general, like when you go shopping, so like if you're visiting as a tourist or just visiting in general, it is expensive. But I think living here, like the housing costs, I think also because everything's like a lot more compact, like the places that you live at are like a, maybe smaller than what you might be used to, like in Michigan or like other places.、Mm. But I feel like it's housing wise, it feels a lot cheaper.、Mm. Um, like you can easily, if, if you just want like a studio like by yourself, you just have a room for your bedroom and then、uh, a small kitchen or whatever. Yeah. Then you can. Find a place for like 500 US dollars or 600 US dollars, which I feel like in San Francisco, like I feel like if you're trying to find a studio on your own, <laughs> like the, I don't even know, like $1,500 or something、oh, is as cheap as you can find, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So, in that sense, maybe because I lived in San Francisco too. My expectations for Tokyo were that it was going to be like equal to that, <laughs> but it didn't feel nearly as, as bad. Yeah.、Um, And then transportation too. A lot of companies,、um, I think there's some like law that companies have to, maybe companies with a certain number of employees, or I, I forget what the situation is, but there's some law where they have to provide your commutation fee.、Mm. So actually, like、uh, my current company like pays for when I did have to commute, they would, they would give me、um, money for commutation,、mm-hmm. but I would end up just biking anyways.、Mm-hmm. So I got like extra money for commutation. Oh, okay. Nice. Um, but then my next company too、uh, is gonna be giving me like an allowance for that too. So,、oh, um, yeah. so that's kind of nice. Like, that's kind of like a, ni- like a nice benefit, I guess. Yeah.、Um, working in Japan. Having、um, your community. I guess I, I don't know if it's just Tokyo. Yeah, I don't know if it's just Tokyo, but、um, yeah, and I think I just try to save and. Well, that's I don't、fine. know if I have any other tips, but. <laughs> <laughs> if that's what has worked for you so far, then, you know, that's fine. Yeah. Well, good, good.、Um, I'm glad that we were able to have this conversation once we got things started. I mean, it's always good to talk to you, but I'm also really glad I was able to talk to you、uh, for this、yeah. podcast specifically, hear more about things you've done that I don't, hadn't known、um, as much、mm. about previously. So thank you for your time、uh, and、yeah. for your willingness to, to share. I only, I only have one last question for you. Which is where can people reach you or keep up with you online if you would like them to do so? If you'd like them、um, to do so. <laughs> I'm like, I, I don't know if y'all really want to follow me, but、um, I mean, I have an Instagram. It's mecha.bb. It's a M E C H A dot BB.、Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, if people want to follow that,、uh, I can't guarantee that I'll, <laughs> I'll accept、um, right away. But、um, if maybe you're like a friend of the podcast or, or fr-、uh, a friend of Danielle's, I, I probably will, I, I probably,、uh, will accept、um, <laughs> okay. that request. Fair. But、uh, <laughs> I tend to be a little bit pri- private on social media. Yeah.、Um, I mean, you have, right to, you have a right to be that way. so... Uh, yeah, I don't have anything to like plug <laughs> right now because, like I mentioned before, like I, I have a lot of project ideas that haven't started yet, but someday, someday. Yeah. Well, I'll be looking forward to it. I'm sure other people、yeah. will, be, will be looking forward to it as well. So basically, people can try to follow you on Instagram, 
but yeah. you will use your discretion as far as if you'll yes. accept them or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, and if it's like, if you, I don't know, want to know anything specifically about Japan or like, I guess, um, if you want to see what life in Japan is like and just want to follow me for that, uh, I don't really post that much, but I guess if there's like anything specific and um, or also, I guess maybe my email, um, s-h-o-m-n-a-k-a at gmail.com, shomnaka, that's my email, but mm. uh, if anyone has any questions about anything, I guess they can reach me there. Okay, that sounds good. Uh, options for people to reach you if you feel like you want to be reached. Uh, which is yes. totally within yes. within your rights. So, <laughs> okay. Well, uh, thank you so much again, so for your time. I really yeah. Thank um, you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, it's been a pleasure for me to to have you as a friend over the Aww. handful of years that we've known each other so far, and it's uh, been also really great to have you on. It's my first guest of twenty twenty one. And uh, as I mentioned uh, previously, first person I've interviewed in uh, quite a while. So this has been great. I hope you have enjoyed it as well. Um, yeah. No, yeah. it was really nice. I feel like I I was trying to remember because it was it was some time ago, but there was a lot of things that um, yeah yeah, especially with Toronto that <laughs> I, I uh, had forgotten about. So mm-hmm. all right, well, thank you so much, Shell. Enjoy okay. the rest of your day and your weekend. Yeah. Yeah, okay. hope you have a good night. Don't stay up too late. I'm, oh, that's so sweet. Thank you. I'll try not to. I'll try to yeah, go to we'll bed talk... at a decent time. Yeah, please. I know you have the quick turnaround, but um, hopefully you can work on it at a more reasonable time. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I'm not doing it yeah. tonight. I'm not, I'm not doing oh, okay. that tonight. Okay. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. I'll start on it tomorrow. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Okay. okay. Well, I'll talk to you pretty soon, probably. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk soon. <laughs> okay. Bye, Danielle. All right. Bye, show. <laughs> Bye. Take care. Bye. All right, y'all. There it is. Thanks to Show for being such a wonderful guest, and I hope you like how this all turned out. For the rest of you listening, don't forget to follow this podcast at Young Gifted and Abroad on Instagram and Facebook, and at YG Abroad on Twitter. And don't forget to check out guest profiles and resource lists on younggiftedandabroad.com. Also, if you enjoy what you've been hearing so far, then please continue listening to this podcast wherever podcasts are. And you are welcome to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher while you're at it. And as always, if you have questions or comments to share, or if you yourself would like to be a guest on the show, then feel free to email me at younggiftedandabroad at gmail.com. So for the next episode in two weeks, uh, that conversation has not been recorded yet, but if things go, ooh, get it together, if things go according to plan, then the guest for the next episode will be someone who studied library information science in Europe. So you can look forward to that in two weeks. But until then, thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time.